Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. We need a church that has a direction. It knows where it's wanting to go. If you'll turn with me in your Bible, we're going to be looking in the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Sorry, hang on. You know those words, sometimes you read the words. This is what he says. He says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were hot or cold. So then because because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you that you buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He continues... Jesus says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can we at this time just take a moment and bow our heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you just begin to open up our hearts, open up our minds. Lord God, open up the Spirit of God in us. We'll just begin to open up and receive the Word of God that you have Pouring out so clearly for us to understand, Lord. I thank you for your son. I thank you for Jesus. As we sang here this morning, Lord, that you died for our sins. Lord, you were raised again on the third day for the salvation of the world. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have a story about the church in Laodicea. And many of you probably know that there's, if you look in the book of Revelations, there are several letters that were written uh, under the inspiration of the Lord by a man named John who was, who was quarantined, who was set aside, who was, who was put away in an in island of Patmos. And, and in that, he had a divine revelation. That's why the name of the book is Revelations. This is the revelation of God. And he writes seven letters to seven churches. And the last one he wrote to was the church of Laodicea. And I'm sure that if there's probably many of you here that have heard many stories about the prophecies and that we're living in the Laodicean church. But I believe that this is my personal belief that, that it's not necessarily for a season or a time. I want you to know that those messages to those seven churches, which we're probably just going to begin to preach over these next several weeks, 
or for every church at every age at every time. Come on, if something comes from the Word of God, I want you to know that we can apply it to our lives. And we can apply it to our church. And here we see that, that, that God is rebuking the church in Laodicea because He says, I know your works, and you are neither hot nor cold. He says, this is the lukewarm church. I want to just point out a few things as we go through this Scripture verse that, first of all, God is saying that I know your works. I just want to give you a moment for that to settle in. He says, I know your works. You see, he didn't say, I know your intentions. He didn't say, I know your hope. He didn't say, I, I, I know what you really want to do. I know what your desires are. He says, I know your works. He says that they are neither hot nor cold. You see, in the Bible, Jesus teaches that, in, in the book of James, that faith without works is what? Is dead. I want you to know that the very definition of lukewarmness is that there's no impact on the world around it. That it says that even though you may have the best intentions, you may have the best worship services, you may have the best prayer meetings, that the bottom line is that I know what the works are that are coming out from you, and those works that are coming out from you are lukewarm. They have no effect on the, on, on the outside world. Speaking of sports, I remember playing sports, and, and many times you know, you, you kind of go through these processes of tweaking a knee or kind of busting an ankle up a little bit. Or I would, I would throw the baseball, I'd get, I'd get a sore shoulder or things like that. And what do you do if you get, if you get a, if, for all you nurses in here, what do you do if you get a sore, if you get a busted knee, right? The, the first thing, ice and heat, then you kind of go back and forth, right? Ice and heat. I want you to know that if I just took a, a, some, a bottle of water right off of the, the shelf and put it into a, a pack and just zipped it up, that same water that I put on my knee, what effect would it have on bringing any healing or any change to my knee? Nothing. It would have absolutely nothing. I would just have a wet knee. I want you to know that the very power is the same water, but if that, if that water is ice or if that water is hot, that that's where the healing, that's where the change begins to happen. That we need to be a church that's not lukewarm. Your works are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I, I, had, a, I had to think about this, and I began to pray, Lord, what does it mean to be lukewarm, right? What does it mean to be lukewarm? And, and, and I kind of had a I was going to bring a glass up here. Maybe I should have, but, but I think everybody's seen a glass of water before, right? Everybody's seen a glass of water. I want you to think about that. I can take a glass of water, and I can put ice in it, and I can set it on the, on the counter. If I come back the next day, I want you to know that that water is not going to be cold any longer. It's going to be the same temperature as the room that it's setting in. It's going to be the same temperature. I could take some, some coffee who's, who is heated to almost boiling and just put over some coffee beans, and it comes out the fresh aroma of coffeeness, right? And, and then I can set that hot mug of coffee on the counter, and if I come back the next day, I can, that coffee is no longer good to drink. Not for me. I like my coffee hot. What does it mean to, to be lukewarm? It's a very simple explanation. Lukewarmness is simply being the same temperature as the room that you're sitting in. You see... I, had, I was going to do an, exp, an experiment, but Monica, she, she wouldn't let me do it. I, I was just going to not turn the air conditions on this morning. Well, that have, I think that would have not been a good idea. It would have been a very short worship service, and I would have preached really fast. And I wouldn't have wore what I'm wearing. But, but the bottom line is, is I want you to know that it had I, we not turned the air on, it would have been the same temperature inside as it was on the outside. 
Come on, nobody wants to be in a church that's the same temperature on the inside that it is on the outside. Come on, I'm not saying that there's anything holy about the air condition. But all I'm saying is, is that, that if we just sit here and have no, no source, if we have no, no, not plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that if we just go out into the world and we don't get connected to the awesome power of the Holy Spirit, I said it twice on purpose, because we're going to become just the same temperature as the world. We're going to be useless. We're not going to have any ability to bring healing. We're not going to have any ability to bring comfort. We're not going to have any ability to do anything. We can have the best intentions we want to have. But until we begin to separate and we begin to plug into the effects of the Lord, we're just going to be another lukewarm church. Come on, we can pray. We can meet. We can clap. We can laugh. But it's not our, our intentions that are being judged. It's our works. What are we doing? What changes are we making? Come on, that, that same message that is applied for the church, it applies to each and every one of us as individuals. He goes on to say, because you say I am rich. Because you say I am rich. You see, we've become wealthy and we have no need of anything. He says, but you don't even realize it, that you're really just wretched and miserable and poor, poor and blind and naked. He said, because you say I'm rich, you see, we have to guard our hearts from the outside world. How many of you know that our possessions, if we're not careful, can become to possess us? Come on, the things that the very things that we work so hard to get can become the very things that keep us working so hard to hold on to them. Come on, we need to guard our hearts from the effects of this world, that we're not, I mean, it seems so simple, the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not covet. You know, when we begin to really apply that into our lives, it becomes a lot more difficult. You see, in Mark 8, 36, Jesus says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, as soon as the church begins to compare itself to the to the businesses of the world. As soon as the church begins to compare itself to all the other institutions of the world, I want you to know that it begins to lose its very effect. It becomes another lukewarm church. It becomes something that just looks like the rest of the world around it. Come on, even a lukewarm church can be, can be hot, but I want you to know, although I, I'm not talking that we need to be a relativistic church, but, but the temperature of the church is relative to the world. That we're judged upon being hot as far as being more hot than what the world is or more cold than what the world is. We can get ourselves, like I said, if I turn the air off today, it's going to get hot in here. If we wait until January, it's probably going to be too cold in here. And that was a big probably, South Louisiana. But we, we need to be a, a church that separates itself and plugs into the source of the gospel. That our works need to be driving to bring change, to bring restoration, to bring healing in, in a lost and dying world. Come on, we can't let just the things that we want to get, our richness, our need, our lack of nothing, begin to control us and dictate what we want to do. I think that the greatest curse on America is our, is our extreme have-isms. That we have everything that we need. We have no lack or need for nothing. Come on, if we get sick, what are we going to do? I'm going to go run down to the CVS or to the Walgreens and go pick up some Tylenol or some ibuprofen. Come on, if, if, I get, if I have need, I can just go down to a bank and borrow some money if the money's a little light, you know? Unless you go to Dave Ramsey's class, then that's not the best thing to do. But anyway, but you know what I mean. I have a credit card in my pocket, whatever I need. I don't have to lack for anything. Come on, I want a donut, I'll go get one. If I have a need for clothes, I'll go buy some. Come on, how many of you know that, that the very 
thing that the world has provided for us can cause us to begin to lose our sight on the very thing that we're trying to accomplish in this world. That, that here it says that the lukewarm church says that we're rich and we have no need for nothing, but we can't even see our own internal wretchedness, our internal nakedness, our internal miserableness. But he gives an answer. He says, but buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. You see, I'm tired, sick and tired of, of, of a church that has the ability to just settle for the replica of what God really wants to give us. Come on, he, wants, he doesn't want us just to buy gold, but he wants us to buy gold that's refined with fire, that's pure, that doesn't have any, any waste, that doesn't have any, any harm in it, that doesn't have any junk in, in it. Refined by fire. Then here's the message. Here's the crux where, 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 where the writer, where God be, begins to say, so therefore, he says, therefore, he said, therefore, you're neither hot or cold. Therefore, your rich possessions have begun to possess you. And then therefore, you are blinded and have need of, to, of being able to see more clearly. He said, therefore, be zealous and repent. He says, be zealous be passionate, be intentional, and repent. Come on, I want you to know that, that if, if we're beginning to run in the wrong direction and God begins to speak to us that we're running in the wrong direction, we don't just need to stop and start walking back. Come on, we need to be zealous about what God's called us to do. Come on, how many of you realize that, that God hasn't called us to just some mealy mouth little simple gospel message? I want you to know that the writers of the New Testament, as they were writing these words down, put their very lives on the line. They sacrificed everything for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel has the ability to bring life and peace into our lives. They counted the cost like Jesus gave instruction to do. What does it mean to have zeal? It's great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. So let me write that down. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. I'm going to, I am a sinner, I am going to be zealous and repent. I don't think that that's necessary, I don't think you really got it yet. I want you to know if zealousness is observable. Passion is observable. Come on, I want you to know, I, I love this great, and, and I'm skipping around in my notes right now, so, so pardon me if I say this again later, but John Wesley Come on, the great evangelist. What did he say? He has a great quote. He says, he says if you want to draw a crowd, he said, light yourself on fire with passion. He said, and the, the world is going to begin to come and, and to watch you burn. Come on, I'm telling you, we need a, a church that is lit on fire with the passion of the gospel. We need a church that is preaching it from the rooftops. I, I, John Maxwell, many of you know, a great leader and a great mentor for leaders. He says that your desire will determine your destiny. Come on, your desire will determine your destiny. What is your desire? What is your desire? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, For do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, it's a simple, it's a simple equation. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm here to tell you this morning that having more money won't fix a passion problem. Come on, you can, you can see a person, a young person. I mean, I want you to know that this generation of people coming up, and for you kids that are in here this morning, I want you to know, I, I want you to catch the zeal of the gospel. I want you to catch the passion of what Jesus did. Do you realize that although church today in many, in many circles may seem like a very tame and very calm place, but whenever the, the, those apostles, when Jesus came and he died on a, 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 a sinner's cross, I want you to know that it was the most revolutionary. It was the most world-changing. It was the most dynamic uh, ministry ever to hit the face of this earth. That they were world-changers. They were zealous. They were excited about what God has done. I want you to know that although the church may not look like it today, come on, we need to begin to pray that, that God would begin to light a fire under the church once again. Come on, we can have all the money in the world. It doesn't fix passion problems. We can have all the faith in the world. Faith doesn't fix passion problems. Come on, I want you to know we can believe whatever we want. Belief simply does not fix passion problems. You know what fixes passion problems? Come on, you know what fixes passion problems? Fire fixes passion problems. Come on, there's, there's many times I remember growing up having a job. We need to light a fire somewhere in that dude to get him to moving, right? Come on, I want you to know that fire can begin to move, can begin to fix passion problems. Think about these early apostles. Again, Peter, James, John, and the apostles. I want you to know they didn't have all these wonderful educational degrees. Come on, they weren't rich beyond any means, right? I mean, they, most of them couldn't even afford to pay their very temple taxes. They didn't have all the experience. The only experience they had was three Three years with the Son of God on this earth. And I want you to know, that was even almost lacking in prep preparing them for the ministry that God had them to do. In fact, it was not enough. Three years with Jesus Christ walking on this earth, day and night, every single day, wasn't enough for Peter on that day that Jesus was going to face the, his, his passion. And Peter denies Christ three times to a girl, little I want you to know that just experience alone isn't enough. Come on, talent alone isn't enough. Come on, I know talented people that have no desire, they have no zeal, they have no passion for what God's called them to do. And they end up being 40-year-old burnouts, living at home still with their mom, trying to do things that, that you know, oh, I'm going to do this one of these days. God's going to launch my career. I want you to know God's not going to do anything that you're not zealous to do yourself. Fire fixes passions. That passion becomes a burning desire. In Revelation, John writes, he says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and turn from your, your, your lukewarm ways. Be zealous and repent. You see, you can't be repentant and not zealous. Do you, do you see that? It takes a little bit of passion to change a heart. It takes a little bit of fire to change a heart. The world will be, is, is just being, is lulling us to sleep in our complacency. Jesus says, him who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What the Spirit says unto the churches. I believe that God wants to light a passion in our lives. Come on, I believe that God wants to light a passion 
in each and every one of your lives here this morning. He's not going to, look, I mean, if I could just give everybody a thousand bucks, I want you to know it's not going to change anything for you. If I could just, just impart to you some type of gift or talent, it's not going to do anything for you. If, if we can have a school, a class, a small group, a prayer service. We can do all those things. It's not going to change anything unless you have the fire of God being lit in your life and you begin to burn for the things of the Lord. Be zealous and repent. You see, you're going to burn where you build a fire. I remember some, some, me and David Clark and some of our friends, Travis, we, one of my favorite activities is backpacking. And I, we've been on various different backpacking trips and adventures. And, and I remember that, that, that sometimes, you know, it's kind of in the morning, it can be a little dewy, damp, and, or even at night if you get a lot of rain, sometimes the, the wood can get a little wet. I want you to know it's hard to light a fire with wet wood. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. Or, or sometimes, you know, we, we find our place in a campsite that's been very well used, and, and there's not a lot of dead fallen wood that's just kind of laying around. So we try to go cut branches off of trees, right? How many of you know that it's hard to light, make a fire with green wood? Right, Bob? We're all rangers, man. Come on, we need some good, dead, dry wood to make a fire. Rotten wood doesn't burn. It won't burn. You can't light a fire with rotten wood. You can't light a fire. You have to light a fire with dry, dead wood. You see, the principles of a fire are very simple. I, I have Chase. I'll ask him to, if he could put up my, my diagram. For many of you who've, who've ever been into a safety class, you know that, that fire is very simple. Fire requires three parts. It's oxygen, it's heat, and it's fuel. That's, that's the three parts of oxygen, right? So if you're going to put out a fire, and, and you want to you put out a fire, all you've got to do is take away one of the three legs, right? If I take away the oxygen, the fire's going to starve for oxygen. It's going to go out, right? If I take away the heat, then, then, then the fire's going to go out. If I take away the fuel, the fire's going to go out. If we want to make a fire in the woods, then it's very simple, David. Next time we go backpacking, all we've got to do is have some, some good dry fuel. All we've got to have is a little bit of air and some heat, right? Like some matches or something, right? Just to get that heat. And it begins to stir up and create this chemical reaction that we call fire. You see, in the church, we need to get this. This is important. In fact, won't you turn with me? Turn with me. We're in the book of Revelation. Turn with me to the book of Acts. And we're, we're going to go to chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says here that, and, and when on the day of Pentecost had come. Now, let me, let me back up a little bit. Remember what I said about Peter, right? Peter, he had spent all this time with Jesus. He had this, this impartation. Jesus telling him, man, feed my fish. I mean, feed my sheep and all these things. It's not experience, right? I mean, Peter had the same talent when he was there in, in Jerusalem for the crucifixion that he had, than the talent he had when he was here in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. You realize, it's the same Peter. You realize that, right? And then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And it says that then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues divided as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak 
with the tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see here, on that day of Pentecost, God, He lit a fire in the church. Do you realize that the fire began to burn as it says He came as a rushing mighty wind? He began to pour that oxygen on the fire. As it said that He lit tongues of fire on each and every one of them, that He began to bring that heat. He said the only thing that was missing in this equation was the fuel. I want you to know that on that day, each and every one of those apostles, they began to came the, the fuel that God used to burn and light a fire and the, underneath the church where we could not be lukewarm, but we can have a purpose and a direction. You see, it's the, the rushing mighty wind, that oxygen, that only comes from the Spirit of God. That fire, the heat, only comes from the Spirit of God. The only element that's missing, the only element that's missing from the church, the only element that was missing in the church of the Laodiceans was the Laodiceans themselves. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him de deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. You see, we live in a world where we're so concerned about what, what we're going to lose that we, we don't even realize that the things that we're trying to hold on to are keeping us from the very promises that we're trying to achieve. Don't you see that what God wants, He provided the, the, the oxygen. He's provided His Spirit. He's provided the heat through the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence of God. The only thing that's, that's required is for us to just lay ourselves at the altar. Like John Wesley said, Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come to watch you burn. Zeal, passion, it's not a financial problem. It's a people problem. Many of us want the effects of fire. You know, fire is a good thing. I mean, it, it boils water, it does things, but fire also cleanses. It refines, as God said, that, 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 that gold. It purifies it brings light and peace into dark places. But if we aren't willing to lay down our own lives, we can't com complete that fire triangle. We can't complete what God would have us to complete on this earth. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, many of us are like that dry kindling. They're like that dry wood that all it's going to take is a little breath of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to light on fire. We're going to begin to make changes in this world. But I want you to know that not all wood is created equal. You know, there's many wood, thing, wood we go in the woods that's still wet, it's still rotten, come on, it's still green. But I want you to know that if you start a fire with some dry kindling, it doesn't matter how wet you are, it don't matter how green you are, if the fire's hot enough, come on, I want you to know that you're going to burn right along with everything else that's in that fire. Well, we need to be united together. We need to find people of passion, people of zeal, who are ready to do the things of the Lord and connect to that. We need zeal for repentance in this world. You see, because when that fire begins to burn, I want you to know that purity comes with it. Come on, don't we realize that as we make our bodies a living sacrifice, that all the sin that's been consuming us now become, begins to be consumed? In the fire of God, all that guilt, all the shame that we carry around. Come on, our pasts became just like a vapor of smoke. 
carried away with the wind. I'm going to ask that the worship team can come on up. You know, actually, speaking of the worship team, I had no idea. Me and David, I mean, I'm not going to do it, David. I mean, maybe we could coordinate our messages with, with our music, but quite frankly, the Holy Spirit just kind of takes care of that for us. You know, he, he didn't know. I told him, I said, man, I came up, he was in practice. I was like, man, that song set a fire down in my soul. Come on, how many of you here today want the fire of God burning bright? Come on, how many of us want to go back to that time where we first met the Lord, where that we first came to that knowledge? Man, Keith Green wrote that song. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And your face is all I see. Jesus says, I know your works. Your works. What are we working on? Come on, how many of you realize that making a fire is intentional? Well, we've got to intentionally make fires in our lives. Making a fire is intentional. Come on, I want you to know being hot or cold is intentional. The, the, the church began to be at the lay of the sea and they, they got lukewarm because they, because they weren't intentional anymore. It was a simple answer. You know, Jesus didn't say, here's your, here's your plan. For, let me give you this structured outline plan on our church restoration process. It's a simple two-word statement. Well, three if you include and. He says, four if you include be. He says, be zealous and repent. Quit walking in that way that you were walking in before and start walking in a new direction, fulfilling what God's called you to fulfill. I want you to know, church of Laodicea, I want you to know that church of Earth Assembly, that we, God has called us to a great purpose. We need to be zealous for what God's called us to do. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.